Well, it really is a beautiful story, this is. The story of how love wins. See, we were in deep, deep trouble with Adam and Eve's first bite into that fruit, signalling to God that they had rejected his vision. Death became part of our stories along with pain, illness, rejection, anger, fear, loneliness, doubt and depression. We were created to be in community with each other and with God, but that was the day that it was broken. You know, God wants us back. So he launched a plan through the nation of Israel that brings glory and ultimately brings us the person of Jesus. See, Jesus would come from the upper story. He would take on flesh through the Virgin Mary. He would grow up amongst us. For the last three years of his life, he would walk amongst us, minister to us, teach us, heal the hurting, perform miracles. And then, on a Friday appointed from the foundation of the world, he did what he ultimately came here to do, to fulfill his mission, and that is to be crucified on a cross. In this moment, all of our sins were transferred to Jesus Christ on that cross, and he died and paid the price of our sin. But then on the third day, he rose again. He rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he was signaling to us that he was not just a nice guy with good intentions or a lunatic pretending to be the Messiah. But when he rose from the dead, he proved to everyone he was not an ordinary man, but he was God himself. On this day, he backed Satan away and he conquered death for us. And here's the good news. When a person, regardless of who they are or what they have done, places their faith wholly on the work of, work of and person of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, when they believe in their heart and confess with their mouth, in that moment, they become a child of God. And they receive the gift of eternal life in the presence of God. And because we have this hope, we can live fearless lives today. Because nothing can separate us from that promise. And when you live by the principles of God's word, it brings success, joy and purpose into your life. Here's the question though. How will people hear about this good news. That's where you and I enter the story. Finally, 29 weeks and we enter the story in the church. See, after the resurrection of Christ and ascension back to the Father, the Holy Spirit was sent to empower a new community God was calling, that God was building that he called the church. Here's what Paul said about the church in the book uh, to believers in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. He says, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect 
the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So just like our bodies, every part, internally and externally, has a part to play. Unless your tonsils or appendix... Apparently, we can do without you. Um, you know, that's our bodies, but we can't do without any of you. When everyone works their part in unison with the rest of the body, it's a beautiful thing. When the church is working, there is nothing quite like her. See, this chapter is entitled Paul's Mission. Paul had a part to play. And he knew what it was. And he knew where the strength comes from to do his part. He wrote in Colossians, He is the one we proclaim, that is Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul knew the part that he was called to do. And for us to be successful in fulfilling our mission on this earth, we too must rely on the energy of the Holy Spirit that is within me and that's within you. When we yield to God's will, it stirs the Spirit. It stirs the Spirit of God within us. For the believer in Jesus, this is our power source. Our power source to love our spouse, to raise our children, to have the strength to get through a difficult situation with dignity, to come alongside a friend or a stranger and help them in their time of need. See, Paul was given a specific mission to take the good news to Gentiles. Jesus came from the Jews and they were the first to hear the message and many received it. This was Peter's primary mission. But now God fulfills his promise to Abraham that the one coming from his family would be a blessing to all people, to all nations. If you're not Jewish, right, then you are a Gentile. Paul's mission was to get the word to us and it worked. Anybody happy about that? Yeah, I am. I mean, you can even shout out like, Amen, if you're happy that Paul's mission worked, getting it to us, right? Okay, good. So interactive we are today. That's really good, really good. But there was a wall that needed to be torn down between Jew and Gentile. A bit like racial tensions today, they didn't like each other very much or trust each other. But it was God's vision for them to be one. It was the passionate prayer of Jesus to his father that they would be one. And he assigned Paul the mission of tearing down this wall. Listen to Paul cast this vision. Therefore, remember, this is found in Ephesians 
chapter 2. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Do you know today there's an estimated 2.4 billion Christians in the world. 2.4 billion Christians scattered all over the world from every race. And it all started with Jesus and extended to the 12 apostles and disciples and moved to Paul who was responsible for bringing the gospel to us. See, we wake up today with 2.4 billion followers alive today but the work is not done the bible says god is not willing that any should perish and that is where you and i come in god has given us a part to play in the unfolding of his upper story plan i remember like it was yesterday when i joined as a protagonist in god's story See, many of you would know that my brother led me to the Lord when I was three. But a few years later, I wanted to be obedient to God's call and was baptized when I was around nine. But when I was about 14, that was when my faith became my own. Not long after that, I felt the, that vocational ministry was something God was calling me into but at 14 or 15, that's not really something you sort of take on right then. And so I began volunteering, though, and serving in my church, serving wherever I was needed. I was a worship leader. I played bass guitar. I led children's ministry. I became a youth leader all by the time I was 17. At age 21, I applied for my first pastoral role. And a year later, when I was 22, Kelly and I moved to Adelaide where I took up the role of, pastor, of youth pastor at a Baptist church there. I pastored there for five years, taking on more and more responsibility. I began with just the youth ministry and then quickly was added the young adults ministry and the children's ministry and outreach events. And by the time I finished there, I was also overseeing over, uh, the newcomers ministry as well. After that, we moved to Frankston to pastor a church as a sole pastor. And in 2019, I began here. See, I love the church. She's kicked me in the teeth a few times and I've made some mistakes back. But this is the bride of Christ. The church is the hope of the world. Not politics, not education, not wealth, not royalty. The church. Because the church has the power of Christ in it. And when I say church, you know who I mean? 
not a building. It's the people. The church has the power of Christ in them. God has placed a heart within me for his church. I love Christ and his church. You know, I believe my personal call is to see the local church flourishing. And so everything I strive toward is to see the church healthy and accomplishing its call from Christ to fulfill its mission that has been the same from Paul's, the same from his call to take the gospel to Gentiles. See, the church is God's plan for the salvation of the world. And isn't it thrilling that we get to be a part of that story unfolding today? The church is the body of Christ in the world. 1 Corinthians 12.27 Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Assembled together, the church is Jesus and we are to think like Jesus, act like Jesus and love others like Jesus loves them. And the church is commissioned to go into all the world as witnesses of Jesus. We read read that from last week in Acts 1.8. And God wants all people in the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the good news of the salvation of Jesus Christ. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, that's what happened. Then to the Gentiles, that's still happening. Jews first, we saw that in Acts. Then the Holy Spirit blew and carried the gospel to everyone else and ultimately to us today. And God raised up a key figure to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and that was Paul. He was Saul of Tarsus and was an unlikely candidate to become the world's first and most renowned missionary. Acts chapter 9 verses 1 says this, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. This is the caliber of missionary that God is looking for. Someone who is breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. No? Maybe not, but this is what happened. He went to the high priest and asked for for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So if he found any there who belonged to the way, that is what they call themselves, people following the way of Christ, whether men or women, he might make them as prisoners. He might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. He was on his way to capture and then murder Christians. He was like the Osama bin Laden of his day. He hated Jesus and the church. And that is when he met Jesus. And at that moment, yes, everything changed. And even Paul was amazed that Jesus chose him as a missionary to the ends of the earth. He writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He had a view of himself that he 
was unworthy, like he didn't deserve his standing. He was humble because of his past. I know that I know that there are some things in your past that you are ashamed of. There are things that you have done that weigh you down ev- even today. But do not let them stop you from joyfully serving Christ and his church. Don't let them stop you from fulfilling the calling God has placed on your life. You see, Paul went on to plant 10 churches and write 13 of the 27 New Testament books. He was prolific in his pursuit of proclaiming the gospel. He didn't let his past stop him from stepping into the future that God had planned for him. And he fought for you and me. You know the book of Galatians? That was written at a time that the Jewish council was trying to deal with the question of whether Gentiles had to become Jews in practice to be Christians, true Christians. And we can see this in Acts chapter 15 and how that plays out. Some Jewish leaders said that Gentiles had to do two things to become true Christians. First of all, they had to believe in Jesus Christ. Great. With you there. The second was be circumcised. Nope. Nope. Don't agree with that. Not a fan, especially if I'm already like an adult male. Like not a fan of that at all. Um, but that's what they were saying, was that you had to, do, to believe in Christ and then become circumcised, which basically meant you had to practice all the Jewish laws. That's the crux of it. Believe in Jesus, but continue to practice all Jewish laws. And ultimately, the Jewish council reached the conclusion that Gentiles did not have to submit to Jewish laws. Galatians argues for the reasons behind that strategic decision. And so we are the recipients of God's grace and of Paul's good theology and understanding of not only the Old Testament but also the freedom that we have in Christ that we are no longer under the laws of the Jewish laws, but we are under grace. And that grace is what we are in one sense today stewards of. This is why Paul's mission to the ends of the earth is important to us. You see, most of us are Gentiles, and it's because of Paul's mission that, you, that, that, that we are invited into salvation. He was pivotal in shaping the early church and reaching beyond the Jewish roots to you and to me. And this is also true. The book of Acts is our story. The Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, are to be the acts of our local church. And we too are empowered by that same spirit. The mission of the church is our mission, to be Jesus to our Jerusalem, to our Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, to bring the hope of the gospel to the northeast, to our state, to our nation and to our world. You know, my personal call, as I said, is to see the local church healthy and flourishing. That means to see it fulfilling its mission. That means not getting distracted, but being focused on the things that matter most. 
That means training and equipping the church for the works that Christ has prepared in advance for us to do. You know, I'm really looking forward to next week. Do you know why I'm looking forward to next week? Because we have three preachers speaking with us here for the first time. Uh, We had six people undergo some initial training in this space and hopefully many more will follow in the coming years. And that's just one area where we're training and equipping people in how to study the Bible well and then communicate the truths of the scriptures and how the gospel transforms lives. It also means developing the next generation of leaders for the church. You know, I've been discussing with our leadership team that unless they want to stay in their roles forever, that they need to begin training and equipping the next generation of leaders. And that means being intentional about investing into the people in our church with the view of discerning, fostering and encouraging leadership potential in the future. A healthy church has a healthy leadership culture of committed Christians and called leaders. And that means intentionally investing into the next generation of those as well. It also means being active in reaching our city with a message of hope in Jesus. And we'll share about more in this space in November at our Vision Sunday. It also means developing our sense of belonging as a loving family. Being hospitable to not only those who already come to church, but welcoming and being hospitable to those who are yet to become part of our church family. And again, more will come on this on Vision Sunday in November. But here is where it matters for you. Paul's mission is the mission of the church, which is your mission. Your mission is to bring the hope of the gospel. So keep doing that. Don't get distracted. Don't get discouraged. Don't get sidetracked. Keep bringing the hope of Jesus with you. You are the church. You are the plan that God has for the salvation of the world. You are on the same mission that Paul started. You know, Paul never got to Wangaratta. He never got here. But you did. Paul never got to your workplace, but you did. Paul never went to your school. He never went to Galen. He never went to Wangaratta High. He never went to those schools. But, but we have people here that are in those schools. Paul never went and knocked on the door of your neighbour. But you have. You can. Paul never had your family, but you do. Now, you might not feel like you've got such a clear calling on your life as what I feel I've expressed that I have a mind today. You just might not feel that that's that's where it is. But, you know... that calling I have to to see the local church healthy and flourishing, but we all have this one thing in common. We have all been commissioned by Christ to bring the hope of the gospel. And you know what? I will never have the connections 
with the people that you do. I won't. I will never have all the experiences of life to draw from that you've had. I'll never have the the connections, the experiences. I'll never have the, 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 the ability to, to go to all the different places that, that you can to draw on those things that God has led you through to minister to others. I won't have those, but you do. We need you. The church needs you. Our community here in the northeast needs you. God has sent you into this community on mission, just as he sent me. I cannot accomplish what God has called you to do because he's called you to do it. So keep going. Keep praying. Keep waiting. Keep loving. Keep listening to the Holy Spirit. Keep being available. Keep responding to the nudge. Keep sharing with others about the hope you have in Jesus. You never know how a simple word or deed could have an eternal impact on someone else that God has put you in contact with. Keep sowing the seeds. Keep serving. Keep encouraging each other. You know, Winston Churchill once gave an address to his old school in an assembly. Toward the end of his speech, he said this. He said, never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in. Except to convictions of honour and good sense. Never yield to force, never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. We need a bit of the never, 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 never give in attitude, don't we? In our calling, in fulfilling the calling that God has given each one of us. May these words encourage you as I close. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for the ministry that Paul had, that you called him to take the gospel to the Gentiles and that you equipped him for that mission. And Lord, that is the same mission that you've given to the church, to go into all the world and make disciples and make followers of Jesus, to teach them, to train them, to equip them, to baptize them. And you've given us the promise that you'll be with us always. And not only are you going to be with us, Lord, but you have indwelt us by your Spirit. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us a new fervor within our hearts, to take the message of hope that we have in the gospel to all the people who are in our circles and spheres of influence. Lord, we have people in workplaces, in schools, in community groups, in neighbourhoods, all over the northeast. Lord, not one of us can accomplish the work that you've called your church to do, but all of us together, as one body, 
Each doing our part, Lord, we can bring change and transformation to our world. Lord, your heart is that none should perish. There's 2.4 billion Christians in the world right now. There's 8 billion in total people. That's a lot of work to do. But Lord, each one of us don't have to worry about the 8 billion. We just need to worry about the one beside us. So Lord, give us the heart of grace, the heart of love to be Jesus to those people beside us, in front of us, around us. Lord, your church is the hope for the salvation of the world. We are your church. We are the hope that this world so desperately needs. So Lord, would you empower us and reinvigorate our efforts to reach our world with the hope of the gospel where you have planted us. Amen. We are going to conclude our service by singing about the living hope that we do indeed have in Jesus. So why don't you stand with me?